Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Rebecca Johnson, and I'm one of the hosts of a podcast called uh, Supergirl Radio, where we talk about the CW's Supergirl TV series. And I'm also a contributor to Justice League Universe podcast, where we do an analysis scene by scene. We, do, we don't do minute by minute, but we do scene by scene. So uh, we have some Suicide Squad episodes over there if you want to check it out. Absolutely. You guys have done Suicide Squad. You guys have also covered Wonder Woman, which that's another good one that uh, if you guys haven't checked that out, maybe people aren't fans of Suicide Squad. Um, but and they want to skip ahead. Yeah. There's <laughs> Wonder Woman. They've, they've already covered Wonder Woman. So definitely just go ahead and uh, jump right into that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you for joining the show once again. If uh, mm-hmm. Listeners, if you're listening for the first time to Rebecca's sweet voice, you can also find her on... <laughs> she joined us for Man of Steel Minute where we talked about the Black Zero event. But then also right. um, we talked about the introduction of Bat, uh, Bruce Wayne in the Batcave in Dawn of Justice. Uh, with some cool Alfred bits. And then, Nate, I think you also did a little Supergirl radio talk where you get to talk yeah. about a special character that you really like. Yeah, we got to talk a little bit about Manchester Black, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's the, uh, the punk rock villain who's kind of not a villain, like he thinks he's a hero. So, yeah, he's a good character to talk about. Absolutely. And speaking of... Not bad guys, but not heroes. Oh, yeah, mark. good, good segue, Mark. You uh, wrote that down. I did not. Uh, we're talking about <laughs> minute 106 of Suicide Squad, which is going to start with uh, Enchantress basically just uh, already knowing that the Suicide Squad is in this uh, train station. Yeah, it's uh, like the the lamest game of hide and seek ever. It's like they already <laughs> already been caught. Yeah. Um, and then it's going to end with a weird vision, weird vision. I don't even know if it's a vision or just a hallucination. It's a hallucination. Um, what's the difference in your opinion between a a vision? I I feel like visions would be like a half robot, half infinity stone. (laughs) Wrong universe. Oh Oh, yeah. Sorry. What are we doing? Vision would be like something that might happen, going to happen. That's a premonition. Okay, well then I obviously have it confused. I I don't know. I, I mean, don't. no, I think I think it is a vision of what could be. Mm. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's coming out of the desires of their hearts. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know if it would be a vision, but it is some sort of uh, situation where they're looking at what what could happen if they made different choices. Yeah, it's a vision. And actually, <laughs> um, I mean, this is something that we've talked about are going to talk about in every film in the DC universe visions visions like um like Man of Steel obviously had the 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 dream the the skull pit skull like General Zod showing off the world engine and then in Dawn of Justice you had like that infamous nightmare Batman scene Mm -hmm. that uh, to this day people are still talking about because more news comes out for that situation I know right people Uh, just won't let it uh, (laughs) it's too it's too it's too good it's too good you can't let it die never let it die um and then now in this one we have another set of visions um with the Suicide Squad and then uh, in Wonder Woman, there is a vision as well from Ares. So um, it seems like a recurring thing. Um, I'd have to think about Aquaman and Shazam, but I th- I'm pretty sure in Aquaman, 
it counts that uh, Orm does that like vision thing where he shows off like all the pollution that's happening. Mm-hmm. And like, mm. so that, I've heard that's like also similar. But um, yeah, so we're talking about all the, you know, basically Enchantress finds the Suicide Squad in this train station. And calls them out. And calls them out immediately. Um, before we get that into that though, Rebecca, can you tell us about the first time you saw this movie? Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact first time I saw it because I saw it three times in the theater because at that Mm -hmm. point I was uh, a little bitter about what happened with Batman v Superman. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go see this movie a bunch of times just to support the movie and throw some money, you know, its way. Uh, So I can't remember the exact first time I went, but I think I went by myself. And uh, so I, I remember walking into it just wanting to see like a fun villain i love villains as characters and so i just Mm -hmm. i wanted to see uh something with villains and i knew it would be a different kind of film in this universe which i really like because uh, with uh another uh cinematic universe that exists uh i'll just say that uh, some of those movies feel like the same movie every time Mm -hmm. and so uh, i was really glad when i came out of it that it felt like it wasn't just a copy of something that had come before it was in the same universe but it felt like it was someone else's take and it felt uh, a little bit different in terms of the tone and what they were trying to say um, so it, it wasn't until about the third time I saw it that I went from, yeah, this is an okay movie to, I actually like what they did here. I don't love it. I don't think it's the greatest movie in the world, but I think it did have a lot to say about love and um, being able to overcome some of the bad choices in your life. So mm-hmm. uh, I, it, it took me about three watches, but I, I came to the point where I like Suicide Squad. Okay. Yeah. Initially, was it always just, um, it was positive initially, yeah? Yeah, I, I thought it was good. Um, there, were, there were some things, you know, I have nitpicks. I'm, I'm a real film snob. Mm-hmm. So, like, if your film doesn't have a great ending shot, I'm like, eh. Hey, that's why so we're doing the, this. That's why we're here. So, <laughs> so the, this, this film, Suicide Squad, it kind of had a blah ending to it, uh, in my personal opinion. So I, I kind of walked at it with that. kind Because the last shot of your film is how the audience is going to leave with, uh, mm-hmm. with your film. Uh, so... It was positive, but I didn't think it was the best movie in the world. Yeah, absolutely, and and I do agree that the um, you mentioned that some of the like I guess the themes in this movie are pretty good, uh, especially the one that is basically um, like redemption for mm-hmm. like all the sins that you've done. Like like the Diablo Second has chances. That, yeah, Diablo has that moment in the bar where he talks about like we're basically going through hell because like we're dealing with all the wrongs that we've created in life and and this whole suicide squad thing is um well deadshot says it like verbatim he's like this is gonna be a chapter in the bible where i redeem myself by helping rick flag save this city oh yeah he and said that last week didn't yeah, he? yeah he that said was, that like two yeah it was, it was like last week, week or two weeks ago yeah i yeah wow that's he really hit the nail on the head with that one why yeah. didn't we bring that up when we were talking <laughs> and about so it, it was it <laughs> Like, well, I think the film should have. I, I think, think the film hits nails on the head and they try to do it in like a smart way. But they're like, hey, check this out. Bing. It's, it's like, like, oh, oh, OK. Yeah, I get the theme. Yeah. Um, And it's right there. All mm-hmm. right. Cool. Yeah. And, and uh, I think it was just like checking boxes. And that's. And, hey, but at least they're checking the boxes. At least they're checking it. Like, at least it's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't blame them yeah. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's actually one of the things I did come away with it liking is that it followed up with BVS. I know some people didn't like the religious or Christian imagery that was in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. But for me, I ate that up. And so to come into Suicide Squad, hearing them uh, talk about that stuff, Deadshot has a lot of religious things that he Mm -hmm. uh, speaks about. They talk about Waller as the devil. Um, So a lot of that really followed, I thought, followed nicely from Mm -hmm. Batman v Superman. And so I I liked the continuation of of those kinds of um, storytelling devices that they put in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it wasn't like just like blatant allegories down the viewers' throats or anything like that. Not not to say that Dawn of Justice was blatant, but it was um, apparent. And uh, I'm with Rebecca. We were, both of us were Rebecca. We were eating all that religious stuff up because it makes sense. I think there. I think. Hmm. I I know films that do allegories wrong, and I I know films that do allegories right good sentence yeah i know right Off to a good start. but it's like but it's like they're like i don't feel like the allegory for superman being like a jesus character like they you like, got so you can't just take it at face value yeah he doesn't like it's not just like in my opinion it's not just like it's not like the movie just says oh yeah he equals that yeah and it's like exactly it feels like he just is that good of a person um i i have you guys seen mother nope no horror movie that movie that movie is like a straight up allegory like it is a one-to-one ratio of like it's a horror movie that is like verbatim like mother earth is married to god basically and they do all these things that don't make sense but if you look at like the allegory the biblical allegory that is happening Mm -hmm. throughout it makes total sense now and it's just that bland where it, it the whole thing about it is just an allegory. Mm-hmm. But who cares? Like, that's not important. Like, just because you made it, like, resemble that stencil, like, just because you, like, stenciled your film in, like, the events of the Bible, that's not enough of an allegory to be a good film. So what about, like... With Superman, it's like, he is Superman. And people are obviously going to praise a superhero because they're inspired. Yeah. And they aspire to be like him. And so they hint at that allegory, but it's because he is that person. So he's like doing good. Yeah. It's not like they were like, we have to make Superman a Jesus character. So on the the scale of Superman being uh, Christianity allegory and mother being mother earth and that kind that, of allegory that's a, where does war of the planet of the apes fall <laughs> that oh that is a good is that the last one that's the last one that that's one was moses one that one i think would be a good allegory because either way that trilogy, no it's a great allegory i'm telling you right yeah, now i'm telling you right <laughs> it was either way that trilogy had to end yeah and they ended it in such a great heroic way that I feel like it's a good allegory to yeah. Passion of the Christ or whatever. Um, <laughs> but this is not Planet of the Apes Minute. I think someone else does that <laughs> podcast. Um, so basically, Suicide Squad, they're here in this train station. Uh, Enchantress has not a hard time finding them whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and is that just something she's always known? Like she, Or she got super hearing. She's not omnipotent. Omnipotent. She's not omnipotent. So it's not like she knows that they were going to show up there. You know, at twelve oh two a.m. 
Um, or does she just sense their presence? Like, I don't know. Her dude, powers. I don't. So, like, um, it's it's magic. So, yeah, yeah probably sense like, the presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think she was, like, listening with her, you know, ear to a mm-hmm. empty rocks glass on the wall. I like her voice. Yeah, I don't, I don't know much about Enchantress as a character from the comics. Is she connected to gods at all because i did a little research because i this you know going minute by minute you 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 want to break down some of the things Mm -hmm. the the scene you hadn't seen before Mm -hmm. yeah and i started looking at enchantress's headdress that she she wears and uh some people were saying on the internet so it's obviously correct (laughs) uh but they were saying that the symbols on the headdress are connected to uh planets and some of them are like, you know, one is Sol, S-O-L, which is a Norse god. So I wondered if, you know, not only did the symbols connect to June Moon, uh, given the the planet symbology, um, but I wondered if that was also, because uh, it talks a lot about, um, you know, these 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 gods. So I wondered if somehow she not only represents magic, but also maybe some kind of you know, way into the occult. So I don't know if she has that like omnipotent power. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, it is, I don't know if I go so far as omnipotent, but I do think there is celestial influence mm-hmm. in her. In her, yeah. Powers. There's a like we've been talking about. Like, there's this weird balance that you know her oh, name. Yeah. I never her name even being June Moon. Runes. Yeah, June Moon, and then you have Incubus, who was like the sun, the sun god, mm-hmm. who was like. And so there was this thing that June Moon or Enchantress and Incubus are the sun and moon, and so the planets mm. could definitely play a part in that. Yeah. Where they, you know, retrograde and everything. Yeah, basically, <laughs> somehow I think they would be like deities of the solar system. Yeah, like something like that, where it's like I think it's just like old school. Uh, um, yeah, like we've said, it South American type, uh, you Aztec, know, Aztec, like Mayan, yeah, Mayan that kind of thing. Of but Rebecca brought up the crown. I'm, I don't know if I've noticed this, but I'm just, I'm noticing it now as we're recording this. The like there are runes yeah, on her, the runes on her and thing. All that. So, um, um, I mean, yeah, that automatically thinks about Norse. Um, so maybe it has something also to deal with that. No matter what, it's, it's celestial, right? We're in agreement. Celestial, I think so, yeah. godlike beings. Okay, yeah. Um, there was, um, and then she's so, also got the giant. So with that comes super hearing. Got it. <laughs> yes. We figured it <laughs> I'll, out. I'll buy it. <laughs> there was a lot of things that we've had questions about, uh, um, especially like the hierarchy of her, um, establishment, because, um, as you see here clearly in this minute, she's got more like Royal guards. She's mm-hmm. got like the, uh, Imperial guards that like, uh, protect her, but you never see them do anything in fact i think when we get to the climactic fight of this film they will be absent like i I don't think they'll even be there um and so it's one of those things where i would have loved for david Ayer or whoever was you know creating like basically like the mythology for this film to just be like okay here's what these people represent or, Mm -hmm. or why they even exist right here in this moment because it seems like all that like exists it seems like it all like there has to be a reason that they designed characters this way and that they were placed there um because it would be even harder just to make up stuff like that and just have it like for whatever reason yeah so i don't know i it's it's very like it's honestly like very intriguing whenever i see like this throne room and i see that 
engine in the background like mm-hmm. doing its thing and it's always like wh- who came up with that like and why did they come up with that like, maybe it's um so there's something i think that we're missing and then obviously she's using magic and stuff like that mm-hmm. and one of those little magic tropes is supposed to be uh you know you go back to it being science that you just can't explain yet or things like yeah. that so like maybe us questioning how her powers are related to magic what that magic is mm-hmm. and us not having a clear knowledge of it us not knowing the mythology behind it is mm-hmm. that on brand with magic? I feel like a, the lazy answer is yes. It's just like, <laughs> well, hey, why are those guards there? Hey, how can she hear them? Hey, what's uh, what's her full extent of her power? And the easy answer is magic. Yeah, yeah, magic. magic. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's yeah. on brand, right? It's on brand. Yeah, one of the things I noticed in this minute is the um, like the blue smoke, the power that's going around her. It seems like it's coming out of her... Uh, tattoos mm-hmm. on on yeah. Enchantress's body, and that was something that I again I hadn't watched the Suicide Squad in a while, and so when I was watching it for this minute, I it finally dawned on me that Enchantress had tattoos, like a lot of characters in this film. So I thought that that was an interesting connection. That I guess I don't know if that connects them as villains, connects them uh, as characters on the the bad side of things. But to see like that magic coming out of those tattoos, I, I thought that was particularly interesting. Like a Moana type thing, but bad, <laughs> but like but evil, <laughs> but evil. Yeah, I mean, I I I feel like um, and that's just the silly stereotypical mm-hmm. lazy storytelling in my opinion. But how do you get a bad guy? Give him tattoos. Dress him in all right. black. Well, do these see, things. That, that's uh, what they do. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think David Ayer knows that. That's why he said, "I'm going to create." diablo with all these tattoos and so that people will think yeah he's a bad person but he's reforming and, but in then his own like self. It, yeah but then you strangely like sympathize mm-hmm. for or empathize with him all of a sudden and, and you're like or sympathize actually um and and yeah diablo was that that character where they were like we're gonna make a character that you hate to look at and then be like you're gonna love this character like that's the that's the thing of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and David Ayer is not afraid of tattoos or anything. So he's, I think he's, well, like afraid of like. Um, that guy had like, a pretty scary dragon on his back. I, I try to stay away from oh, tattoos. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, definitely one of those person who like is supportive of and accepting of tattoos. So he wants to like show that villains could have tattoos and still be good people and stuff. He's trying to break that norm, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. We get a quip from Captain Boomerang here who looks at Katana. Katana's actually like trying to survey the area and he says, we should get a drink sometime to which Katana shot a shot. He was uh, he was he was barking up that tree, uh, uh, you know, minutes ago. Many times. Yeah. I think the third time now. Yeah. Good for him. He's he's not afraid of that uh that sword that she's carrying. Yeah. Uh, so, so that it is a funny uh, moment in in between. It's a good use of character humor mm-hmm. in in the midst of all that's going on around them. Yeah. Yeah. We've been we've been uh, quick to uh, jump on that Captain Boomerang train with uh, anything he's doing in this movie. Cause, yeah. Uh, it's just he's uh, we we realize that he is just a gold mine in this. Yeah. We like <laughs> as soon like you know. I honestly, I think when we first started talking about Captain Boomerang, um, this entire journey, we were just like, it, I think the only obstacle was the pink unicorn. We got over it and we were like, 
hey, yeah. this guy's a great character. And I, I yeah, yeah. And I think there's that's nothing wrong to... with the way uh, Jai Courtney portrays his character. He's absolutely like the funniest part of this movie, in my opinion. Maybe he um, is the comic relief in this yeah. movie. Yeah, but oh also... crap, who? I was, I was maybe Harley. Harley is like definitive. Oh, mm. They all they got both, jokes. They all have it. They all got, they all got their jokes. Kevin Crocs got his jokes. They all got jokes. Um, <laughs> but uh, Katana, um, despite our issues with Katana's like lack of of presence in the film, um, she does still accept the date. No, I was gonna oh. say like even like we wish there was more of Katana. But even still, there's moments like this where she doesn't say anything. It's just like her looking at Boomerang as she is asked Dead to go him. get it. Yeah, and it's and it's that where it's like she does great even just being there. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's like a it's like a positive and negative where it's like oh I would love to see more of Katana, but at the same time I love her minimal moments where she has something like this where she'll go. I'm just gonna stare at you like this is the wrong time for that like mm-hmm. maybe but like wrong time and place here but <laughs> so you're, you're yeah she made the most of the time that she was given to be on screen absolutely that's true absolutely. um yeah absolutely but um mark you said maybe so she's still it's there's still hope I, for her date with I, boomerang don't put my words in her mouth I'm okay. just, that's, that's, <laughs> i don't know this thing um but yeah um there we get a little bit of sass from Enchantress in this minute. Enchantress is uh, basically asks them to step out. She says, "I won't bite," and I thought that's kind of weird for a villain. But yeah. but then it's like, I guess it's kind of is it Ghostbusters y? Is it like is that like a thing? I don't know. It's like a weird like who wrote that? Like not oh I know who wrote it, but it's like. Maybe Enchantress just, bite. she's been sleeping for so long, she hasn't been up to date with, like, you know, hide-and-seek lingo. So like we're still using that? <laughs> so she's still using the come out, I won't bite. There's a rhyme. She Doesn't well, she rhyme? Isn't her dialogue rhyming? Nate, you're going to blow my mind if you're right. I mean, I don't think it's a, they make a, a point to it, but but what does it say? Um, I've been waiting for you all night. Yep. Step out of the shadows. I, I won't, won't bite. bite. This oh, is a Doctor Seuss nice. book. <laughs> Nate, <laughs> Nate, if she if I find out she's been rhyming this whole time, I gotta redo this. Whole or maybe podcast. she was supposed yeah. to have rhyming dialogue the entire movie. I would love that. Me too. You know, I love <laughs> things like that. I think um, it goes back to like Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, where it's like those that that nuance of writing that character, where it's like you rewatch it every time, and you go, oh, he's like. He's like doing like a little. Yeah, but he is insanely smart. I know. <laughs> so, all right. Okay. But. So Enchantress doing her little rhyming bit. Um, I, when someone is rhyming in magic, uh, I think they go hand in hand. But also, I think some sort of spell is happening. So maybe she, uh, mm. in order to keep these uh, tattoo clouds coming off of her, she has to, she has to rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, the line of dialogue that I actually glommed onto was when she says, step out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because at that point, that is when Harley decides, well, I'm going to give her a shot and see what she says. <laughs> um, I thought that that was, uh, was a nice little bit of dialogue. Because some of the dialogue, I will give you guys the fact that some of the dialogue is a little heavy-handed. And it's, you know, blatantly telling you what it wants you to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I, I wish there would be more, uh, you know, give it another draft yeah. uh, to, to make that a little better. But I like that line, Step Out of the Shadows, because these characters have been in the shadows they're villains so they have been hiding they hide from the law they hide from the heroes they have to fight they stay in the shadows a lot of the time and so for them to step out of the shadows i think is very poignant for them to step out of the shadows and into the light and to become heroes so that line i was like oh that's a good one so i i uh liked that bit of dialogue from enchantress in the scene or in this minute actually yeah absolutely yeah, it, yeah, it could be perceived in many ways. It could also be perceived like maybe she wants them to just, hey, why don't you not attack me? How about you join me and we can do this? Or, you know, like there could be an allegiance offering or, of some sort. And with that, like come those visions of like, I can give you what you want kind of thing. Is there a big fanfare of uh, join me? type thing before we go into these visions because the visions come about really quick mark when you had this minute on um and then like there was towards the end i was like whoa hang on go back because i i thought that stuff happens a little bit later in the movie no it's and then it's gonna be happening this week we're coming up really fast on the end here aren't we yeah we are and i'm kind of not prepared not even prepared it's just uh it seems kind of it's it's snuck up on me a little bit because things are i wasn't uh, expecting the escalation um this week i thought there was a little bit more of a i I thought i thought there was more of a hey join me and we're going to be all powerful like the whole villains band together thing Mm -hmm. i thought there was a bigger fanfare for that i think what's interesting is um this is the first and final confrontation with Enchantress in the Suicide Squad. Does that make sense? Like, normally when you see your villains... Like yeah, you, there you might have be... the first and then the, vil- the hero fall- fails. Yeah, and, yeah. The, yeah, like yeah, yeah. The heroes fail and then they happen. it happens again kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, obviously, happens with Superman and Lex Luthor. Like, that happens. But, yeah, this is the first time they are confronting her. And it's also going to be, like, the last time. So, it's, it's interesting. I can understand where it's, like, it seems... Like, it snuck up because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, they're meeting her, and this is going to be it. Like, this mm-hmm. is going to be the big finale. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she does do a little bit of a join me kind of scenario here. She says, why do you serve those who cage you? She's mm-hmm. questioning mm-hmm. what they're doing there and what she's doing with the Suicide Squad and Amanda Waller because Enchantress knows all about Amanda Waller. So I think she's offering you know, up the fact that you know, you won't be caged if you come and serve me, that kind of a thing. So I, I think she's saying it that way. And uh, I, I like that question, too, because I think that's a really good one to ask the Suicide Squad. Of the, they don't have an option. <laughs> they're, they're not serving the mm-hmm. United States government because they want to. They're caged because they have no other option. They, their other option is death. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that's a really good question to ask the uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah, and it yeah. seems like it's a, it's a needed question. Um, really i mean where would we be if uh the suicide squad wasn't tempted with uh freedom you know yeah with even with 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 more freedom than what amanda waller has been trying to dangle the carrot in front of their face this is 
freedom yeah. given to you by some crazy powerful magic witch. Yeah, no. <laughs> like as far as a, a Suicide Squad, like writing for a story, that's a great thing. That that you're absolutely yeah. right. That is a great thing to that that uh, of all the carrots to dangle in front of Suicide Squad, the villain should be like. Like, yeah, but cast off those chains and join me type thing. What is so? Where's the significant difference in Amanda Waller promising their freedom and Enchantress promising their freedom? It's and then what's the difference between those two freedoms? It's the devil ah. you know versus the devil you don't. There you go, Mark. Mm. This is a mm. song. That's just there's a song about that. I don't know. What that is. Oh boy, the song is called I think the devil you know, and it's like a. <laughs> It's like a day to remember, Very, or like a oh, asking uh, Alexandria, or, one yeah. of those pop punk songs. Yeah, um, no, that that I mean, like we don't even know. Like we know, like us as a viewer, we can obviously guess that if they succeed, they defeat Enchantress, and Amanda Waller like succeeds, then it's just a rinse and repeat scenario. Yeah, they just go back to the holding cell for the next mission. Like, if you're going to side with Enchantress, you don't know what's going to happen. Are you going to be protected? Is the rest of the world going to be destroyed? Is she going to destroy the world? She says it, but, like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean when you say destroy? Or, like, you know, it's just too many, like, no, it's, it's... it doesn't make sense to them. Like, well, I mean, I'm just as confused as the Suicide Squad would be in that moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, I would want magical freedom. Out of all the freedoms I can pick, freedom from a magician. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Um, so this is a, this is the part in the film where Enchantress starts to do the visions for all of them. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start with Deadshot here, who I guess his vision, his his the thing that he wants is to kill the Batman. Rough. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. rough. Come on. Go for it. Well, I mean, I think he just has, like, at face value, it's probably just a lot of spite towards Batman. You know, he was the one that, that finally took him in. Um, but I feel like Deadshot would be a smarter and uh, instead of, I don't know, see, like, the visions kind of give you, um, kind of give the characters, like, uh, oh, what you actually want. But really, don't you think what Deadshot actually wants is, and I, I think him being with his daughter would yes. surpass uh, killing Batman. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, the visions of, um, like, Harley Quinn's vision and Deadshot's vision are so completely different. And we'll get to talk a little bit about Harley's now. But yeah. The difference between their two visions is insanely different, and it feels like everybody should at least have the same sort of vision path. Where if Deadshot is, his vision is to kill the Batman, that seems like it stems from a lot of anger and hate, and the thing that kind of put him in this position in the Suicide Squad to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have someone to blame quickly, I'm gonna blame Batman. Whereas before, you were probably besting Batman at every other corner, being a hitman in Gotham. You know, you got this far without getting caught by him. Shouldn't your vision be what you really want, and that's just like you sitting down with your daughter, or instead of killing Batman, killing Amanda Waller? I don't know. It's uh, it seemed a little, a little too black and white to have him just be like, "I saw, I killed the Batman," you know. And Harley's is, "Hey, a completely different life, and not just uh, messing things up in Gotham with Joker." Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I I don't I don't understand. I mean, I get like from a villain point of view, he's mm-hmm. he's mad at Batman, wants to get revenge. I get it, 
But, uh, of course, in this minute, we only see two of the visions. We'll, we'll see the completed vision sequence uh, in the next minute. But they all have something in common, uh, and except for Deadshot. And so I think Deadshot, you know, wanting to spend time with his daughter, I think would have completed a theme of family. Because we see that with Harley, she wants to be normal. Mm -hmm. She wants to have kids with the Joker. Um, And so you see that in some of the other visions as well, that it's about family, about being with the people you love. So it is weird that Deadshots is about Batman. I've never understood that choice. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, it's just so blatant revenge driven that it's uh, it doesn't like, make I sense have, for I'm, that kind of character. I felt like Deadshot, Will Smith as Deadshot, is smarter than just blindly following a revenge vision. And we, yeah, we we always talk about how Deadshot is the killer with a heart of gold, mm-hmm. and he does love his daughter. Um, I I I do wonder why they why they conjured up this vision for him and then went with it and mm-hmm. shot it and produced it and everything and never questioned like, is this what Deadshot wants? Because I we get that scene at the end of the movie where he's helping his daughter mm-hmm. with math and it's like, wouldn't that be the yeah. vision? Like, wouldn't that be what yeah. he wants? You know, um, if, you know, if I had it my way and I, and I created this part, I would have them all have a version that, um, a happily ever after that, version. that Harley Quinn vision that we'll talk about tomorrow they should all have that mm-hmm. version of of that, and I don't know. Maybe Captain Boomerang comes home to his pink unicorn. Yeah, like Rebecca said, it right. <laughs> it's it should have completed the theme of family and love. Yeah, like it should have. They just each been go that. through it, yeah. and and Katana's with her husband. Mm-hmm. He's not killed anymore. You know, Rick Flag is with June. Moon. They they all should have been with their family. Yeah, like Deadshots doesn't make any sense to me other than like if it was time travel, and she said, "I can go back in time." And when you oh, kill like a Deadshot, twisted metal type thing, then you never have to go. You know, like you never have to get incarcerated. Like yeah. you can just kill the Batman. You win that night. You're free to go. But it's like okay, but then you're still on the run. I don't know. Like wouldn't you? I don't know. The only thing I can try to come up with a defense for is that Batman is such a like like feared, yeah feared creature <laughs> that he's like i never i will never feel safe because of batman which mm. is the whole point of batman and so he's like well if he's dead i don't have to fear anything anymore i can keep killing people taking their credit cards helping my daughter and i will never be like outwitted he by a guy who just like a bat he can keep doing his job yeah and so maybe that's the only thing i can be like where he's like the only thing that could stop me in life is batman if he's out of the equation we're good. He's, got, he's gotten this far, though, without getting captured. So Right? Like, Batman's not yeah. here going, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really weird. I I, um, I would have loved to see him see what his perfect vision with his doll, like, what he wants. Because we do get that math scene, mm-hmm. but it's not perfect. Mm-mm. And it would be kind of cool to see, like, what does the man with the heart of gold want to see in his future? Like, where does it end? Mm-hmm. Deadshot. It's a quote from Suicide Squad earlier. Where does oh, where yeah. does it end? Okay. Flag, <laughs> but reversed. Um, so yeah, we can we can talk a little bit more about Harley's maybe tomorrow if you want. But um, hey, again, maybe this was just another thing to have Ben Affleck. They were just like, hey, we got all this footage of Ben that's on the just, ground. Uh, oh, it's just Richard Sessions, <laughs> isn't it? Like, isn't that just? Is it Richard? I would I would believe it 100% if it was. 
No, that's no, his chin. Th- that's I his think chin. Him on the down, uh, I think him down on the ground is Ben yeah, Affleck. That's, 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 ben that's Affleck. that Ben Affleck chin. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I know that chin anywhere. I do. I can call <laughs> that chin out in a lineup. <laughs> and that butt. Oh, that. <laughs> give, give me both, and it's like, boom, I can easily pick out Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, <laughs> when we cut to the, there's like, here, I guess this is my only note for the Harley Quinn uh, vision, and that is that she's setting the dryer to normal or different. That's your only thing? That's the only thing. Uh, Not the ring that's like, oh, hey, look at this. Sure. What do you mean, sure? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like the normal thing, the normal setting is a little like, <laughs> well, no one got it. I don't think anyone <laughs> caught that. Well, I, we I it, is, it. it is probably a little on the nose, that shot of her pushing the normal button. But when I first watch it, I remember thinking, oh, that is such a great way to communicate something without you having to say in dialogue what the character wants. Mm-hmm. Like all of these visions are pretty much, you know, just visually showing and communicating what's in their hearts. Mm -hmm. And so I actually, that's one of my favorite shots in the entire movie is that shot of her pushing the normal button um, because I think it said so much about Harley and what she desires without having to say anything. And that to me is one of my favorite aspects of film is, is, again, I'm a a film snob, but I don't want you to tell me everything. I Mm -hmm. want you to be able to trust me as a filmmaker to connect those dots. And so uh, that that to me was one of the shots in the film that actually makes me think that David Ayer, Ayer uh, gave me a little credit as, you know, being able to put that together. So I, yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with it. I like it. We like being shown, not told in yeah. a lot of the situations. Exactly, yeah. um, and I think it's the whole setup of this close up of the dryer thing, because I think it is the normal setting the red painted nails that they're not like messed yes. up, chipped off or anything yeah. like that. The ring that's just clearly right there. And it's not like, and a, she d- but go for it. Um, sorry. Mm-hmm. And she also doesn't have the, the perma white face. Mm-hmm. It's just a normal, she, she looks like normal, I guess, Harleen Quinzel. Mm-hmm. So in this vision, I guess she never took that uh, acid bath with Joker at, at Ace Chemicals. So I guess in that vision that that never happened, so she is living this normal life as a normal-looking person. So I think that actually plays into it more for me, just seeing her as Harleen, I guess, instead mm-hmm. of Harley Quinn. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I know why you paused it here. This is a... Uh, now I have to ask a question. Is it a dishwasher or is it a washing machine? Because we I said see, dryer. They were in the kitchen, and she said... And it says wash. I think it's a washing machine. I think it's a dishwasher. No, a dishwasher. A dishwasher. Yeah. Because yeah, dishwasher. in the bar yeah. scene, she says normal is a setting on the dryer. And yeah, said, oh, so we're getting dryer. confused. Why, uh, is there a, um, why is there a random subtitle that says normal? <laughs> Do they say that in the minute? They, no. I have to apologize a lot for the subtitles. Please don't let me apologize again. I don't know why it was like set to like auto subtitle the movie. So it just it read normal and it put normal down there. What they don't say the word normal in this minute. It's a labeling. It's like it helps Oh yeah, you're right. They could just read it. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> so, I it's not even the same <laughs> subtitle text. It's blue. It's it's weird. Oh See, yeah. See the person who did the person who did the captions didn't trust the people reading them that they would be smart enough to connect the dots. So uh, I appreciate that at least the filmmaker did. But Mark, this is this is great. So it says normal in regular white text. She presses it, turns the button blue, 
and then the word changes to one just lowercase blue normal. What is going on? <laughs> it's a robot did this, I swear. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um I, it's honestly a perfect shot though. If you just got rid of the subtitles. But like the it's the the red fingernail pressing the normal button, the engagement ring, like it all is like that's, like a, that's, that's, that's a, a ring good, and a band. That's they a are full blown married. I don't know these things, man. It's a, you got a, you got the engagement ring and then you got the band behind it, Mark. Yeah, I, I think the insinuation is that they are a married couple in the vision. <sighs> Happily ever after. Happily ever and after. And she, she even, she even, spoiler alert, she says it later, so she confirms mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you want to get in more? more yeah. Into it? We'll Let's get, see what else I definitely we can pull have from some this, more Harley. to talk about. Okay. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DC EU Minutes and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society, where you could join us to talk about today's minute, Man of Steel Minute, Dawn of Justice Minute, or Doom Patrol Radio. If you're watching Doom Patrol on the DC Universe app, you can talk to us there, and we will catch you guys tomorrow for Minute One Zero Seven of Suicide Squad. 